This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jeremy Vaney, filling in for Whitley Strieber yet again. Um, thank you for listening to Dreamland and or watching it on the YouTubes. We both appreciate it very much. Um, this week's episode is dedicated to Carol Rainey, who passed away like days after, maybe a week after we uh, recorded this, we being uh, my guest Tyler Cokejohn. And I, um, and we talk about her a little bit in this episode. I wish she had got to uh, hear this uh, before she passed away. Of course, my heart goes out to the Rainey family. And as I probably say in this episode, though I don't remember, but I've definitely said elsewhere, and I probably did say it. Um, if you want to know what a real ufological whistleblower looks like, look no further than Carol Rainey. This week's show uh, is with Tyler Cokejohn, who is a retired um, professor of microbiology, who, back in the day, again with Peritopia, the late, great Jeff Ritzman had an idea to do a one-of-a-kind and so far, as far as I'm aware, the only scientifically valid survey of experiencers. We wanted to kind of figure out, like, what were the commonalities? We had our own questions. And Jeff really was the driving force uh, behind getting it going. Um, And we could not have gotten it going without Tyler Cokejohn, who brings the validity of science to it where, you know, we're not, Jeff and I are podcasters, we're experiencers, we're not scientists. So Tyler assembled his cast of characters, other doctors, uh, Ellen Tarr and Kim Cooper, uh, to essentially be able to formulate a scientifically valid um, and and mathematically valid experiencer survey, which was small in scope. So it's not groundbreaking in that sense, but it's certainly a template to uh, follow for anyone who cares to uh, in the future. Nobody has cared to so far, (laughs) but but if you do, uh, you know, go for it. There will be a link in the show description to the project, so you can uh, you can go there and read it. Um, even though it's a small survey, I think it's pretty fascinating, and um, I think you'll get a lot out of it. Uh, you'll at least know that it's valid. Like, you'll know that what you're reading isn't in any way debatably scientifically valid. How The debate is, is how... Uh, useful it is because it is a small survey. Um, In any event, data collection turns out takes more than just like asking people for stories. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to talk to Tyler about that on this episode. We're going to talk about a whole lot more, but I want Tyler to introduce himself. So let's get to that. Here we go. After much technical difficulty, my good friend Tyler Cokejohn is is joining us, and thank you, Tyler, for putting up with all the technical mishaps. It was fun. I bet it was. So, Tyler, because I'm lazy, and because I don't know what of your resume is important to you to say in the context of Dreamland, tell us what uh, your resume is. What what brings you into ufology or to this show? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh... 
That's a tough one. Uh, a retired professor of microbiology, and actually the way that I got to dreamland was through alien abductions and some things that I had written to Carol Rainey about, which uh, she then conveyed to you and Jeff Ritzman. And that led to uh, some appearances on Paratopia and some other uh, work elsewhere uh, about uh, the specifics of alien abduction and how one might go about doing some things to uh, analyze uh, what really happened. Um, did it unfold the way people think that it did, or is it something else altogether? And uh, So kind of a wide-ranging um, investigation of the phenomenon, but I'd had a long-standing interest in, in UFOs since I was a kid, since the 1960s, and uh, hadn't followed the field for a while, and actually got brought back in by a TV show, The UFO Hunters, and then somehow I found Carol Rainey, and uh, kind of the rest is history. Ah, okay. And um, I guess since you brought up Carol, maybe we should say that Carol Rainey is actually not doing so well. She has publicly come out with that she is in hospice and probably doesn't have long uh, to live. So, you know, our hearts, of course, go out to Carol. And I just want to publicly thank her in this moment for all that she has done for UFO research and for uh, exposing bad research and for essentially coming forward with um, what she knew about how bad Bud Hopkins' research was and to the extent that she did David Jacobs simply because I think like she saw Emma Woods come out to talking about the David Jacobs stuff and um, how Hopkins was a factor in that and kind of didn't want her to be alone in that was kind of feeling like, okay, you know, maybe she shouldn't be alone with this and I'll come forward too. Um, and she knew she would get the heat that she got for doing so. And she did it anyway. So, you know, if you want a real hero in ufology and a real whistleblower in ufology, look no further than Carol Rainey. Yeah, that's a pretty good synopsis of, uh, what she did and what happened. And she did take a lot of uh, heat, uh, some uh, pretty ugly things, and she withstood it. Um, now, did you take heat? Were ugly things thrown at you? No, actually, uh, very little. Uh, quite the opposite. Now, we, I wasn't on Twitter then. It might have been different uh, had I been. But, uh, no, in comparison to what you and Jeff Ritzman got and Carol Rainey, uh, a few others, uh, I received very little blowback, uh, remarkably little. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dreamlanders, stick around. We'll be back after this. My new book, Them, has now been out since March of 2023. I would like to thank everyone for the wonderful reception, those who have read it, who have posted thoughtful reviews on Amazon, those who have listened. It's an important book for me. And also, over the months, it has become a very strange book because if you listen to the Oversight Committee UAP hearings, you will hear David Grush saying things almost sound like they were taken right out of the second part of them. And I thought to myself, how did I do that? 
The answer is I have no idea. But the book is really very prophetic. And I think you should read it if you hadn't done so. And that's what this is all about. Read it, listen to it. It's really worth your time. Jacques Vallée certainly thought so. Mitch Horowitz thought so. Jeff Kripal thought so. Leslie Kane, Diana Pasolka, and all of the others who gave it blurbs thought so. And so do an awful lot of people who have reviewed it. So pick up a copy today. Go to Amazon and get a copy. Go to Audible and get the audio book. Listen to them. Read them. It's a whole new vision of how we should think about the close encounter experience. And this is getting more and more important over time. More and more important. Them. I saw the future when I was writing that book. Didn't know I would, but I did. You can read it now and see for yourself. So, all right. So you meet Carol Rainey and somehow she suckers you into coming into the field. Uh, what was it about UFO hunters that you were like, oh, I've got to be a part of this? Well, it was just so much fun. And uh, uh, the uh, first show, I don't know if you can remember way back, but the first show on Maury Island uh, was very striking because I thought, well, geez, that's been fairly thoroughly debunked. Um, odd choice to start. But uh, the idea, the basic idea of uh, boots on the ground and taking a look at that, what the data would show, what you could find, that was a good idea. The execution maybe left a few things to be desired. But um, so I thought, well, it'd be interesting. And uh, it, it was. Uh, and to their credit, Bill and Nancy Burns let me post things on their website, whatever I wanted to say, critical uh, sometimes as they were. Uh, but it, it started me off on uh, talking to other people through uh, comments on their blogs and things. So what was it that you wanted to do when you originally sort of dipped a toe in? What were you expecting to do? What were you wanting to do? Oh, that's, that's a very good question. I thought that uh, some of the things that uh, they were doing in terms of uh, techniques and uh, how they approached problems maybe weren't the best. Now, again, we're talking entertainment and not science, but I thought there were things that, that could be improved, and there, there were some things that uh, probably uh, not really helping the, uh, uh, I guess, the betterment of understanding of uh, the issues. Let's put it that way. And what would you have done? I mean, if, if you'd had your druthers, what would you have done? Oh... Uh, I'm not sure that I would have had a, a TV show. It's very difficult to meld uh, entertainment in science uh, into something that people would want to watch. And uh, I don't know that I would have that skill set. Uh, the two sometimes are, are rather incompatible, is what I found out. But I think it was important to let people know that uh, Sometimes what you're getting is not necessarily the whole story uh, and not necessarily um, the best sort of conclusion that one could draw. Um, I guess let's put a pin in it there and we will circle back around to Tyler coming into ufology because it just dawns on me that, um, you know, I mean, look how far we've come and yet not. So <laughs> because that was around... 
what, 2010? 2011? Yeah, I think so. I'm actually trying to, to do the math, and I think it's been 13 years, maybe longer. Yeah. And now, as we record today, NASA just did another hearing. They released a report on whatever their UFO, UAP, they're studying. And we just had Jaime Musan do a uh, Mexican <laughs> conference on alien mummies, stealing Greer's baby thunder, you know, alien babies. Um <laughs> And, of course, David Grush and that whole congressional testimony thing, where at least there is the air of an officialdom, but the content seems to be the same as in 2010, which is not much going on. It's just that they're, it's officially not going on. Uh, that's sort of how I see it. How, how are you seeing this sort of, I don't know, air of officialdom takeover of what was a quote-unquote fringe subject? Have they added anything to it? I guess maybe that's a question. Has anything been added to it? Have we gotten anywhere since, like, the government has taken an interest publicly? Oh, I don't think so. I, I know other people are uh, much more excited about some of the, the uh, revelations, but uh, it is something that if you've been in ufology for a while, you probably feel that you've heard it all before. Uh, said by different people under different circumstances. Uh, and, and we have some new sightings to discuss. But uh, you're right. I feel like we, we really haven't um, made much progress. And uh, air of officialdom or not, um, it, uh, uh, of all the things, uh, NASA kind of got them all today in their press conference. Uh, Grush, Masson, all these things got... Uh, got uh, put out there on the table, and so they, they know they're in a whole new world, that's for sure. But uh, the, one, the one thing that I think that is interesting is, in terms of air of officialdom, is that NASA has committed to uh, giving this uh, an investigation, a real investigation. And they've done it in ways that I think are going to be um, very interesting for everyone. And uh, I look forward to the execution, and I'm hoping that it can happen. I, I don't know if you watched the, the news conference, but uh, there was some talk about what's the budget going to be, and they really can't say. And so hopefully this won't fall victim to some kind of political uh, issues, and this will really happen. And uh, there really will be uh, this multi-pronged, uh, all-of-government uh, investigation spearheaded by NASA, and uh, that that sounds very favorable to me. Now, when when you say that it's going to be exciting or whatever, for everyone, who's everyone? Because the way I I mean, to my cynical mind, how this goes is how it's been going, which is NASA says something that UFO world doesn't want to hear, so UFO world says, well, of course you can't trust NASA, psyop or whatever, and the rest of the world doesn't pay attention because prosaic explanations don't make a splash. I mean, what happens beyond that that you envision? Well, I th don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see how this actually unfolds, how they, they really execute it. But if, if we can go through and enlist the public, uh, citizen scientists, the way that NASA has, has proposed uh, or seems to be proposing, uh, this is going to be uh, quite uh, uh, fascinating 
because it, let's just say that that we it comes to fruition and we have these phone apps and and um, uh, you know we can whip out the phone and it'll do a multi-dimensional analysis of, of whatever it is we're seeing and we get the great metadata and we turn that in. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is NASA can't control that anymore. That's in the hands of the public. That's going to be on social media, which reared its ugly head a couple of times here. Uh, and so as, as much as we think, well, the government would like to cover up, some of this is going to be right out there in the public domain before NASA even has a chance to analyze it. And that is going to be really interesting to see then how the follow-up goes, how the um, conclusions are drawn and, and uh, how uh, competing interests actually uh, resolve or don't resolve what is seen or what's put forth. Uh, and I don't think that anybody on the panel, uh, myself included, would be able to anticipate all of the very, very interesting things that people are going to come up with. And uh, some of them legit and some not. We just have to hope for basically the goodwill of uh, people that turn in these things. And I think in general we'll be okay, but, but there's going to be a lot of interesting things, Jeremy. And the uh, lid's going to come right off this pot really quickly if, if it goes the way I think they said they want it to. So I, I don't know if they're really prepared for this. Uh, you know, we have a director. There, there is a person that NASA has uh, tapped as the director. This is a named individual, but they wouldn't give the name. <laughs> right. They want isn't, full isn't transparency, <laughs> but they won't give the name. So that's Except. funny on that, on that hand. But then on the other hand... Uh, I think it's funny that, you know, UFO world um, claims to be mature enough to handle disclosure and they can't even handle what they don't like to hear from these people so badly that they've got to like send death threats and stuff and, you know, run them out of town. So who, who, who among us is ready for this, this giant alien disclosure, this ontological shock headed our way? Uh, yeah, well, certainly not NASA in some regards. Don't go anywhere, Dreamlanders. We're coming right back. Have you ever read Communion? Or have you never read Communion? It's out in a new edition. Very powerful. A subtly new cover that reflects the fact that the visitors are now looking back at us because they truly are. You can get it from the unknowncountry.com store as a Kindle, as a beautiful, sumptuous paperback, or as an unabridged audiobook read by me. It's the first time in the whole life of communion that it has been read in full in audio format. And believe you me, I felt that reading. I put my life, my memories into it, and I trust you can hear it in the voice. I sure felt it while I was reading. So get communion, listen to it, read it. Communion is of central importance to all of our lives. Uh, so I, I hope that uh, social media doesn't become the death of, of a great concept. Uh, it certainly could. You know, I mean, it doesn't sound good. We don't, we're not privy to it, to what all was said. But it was enough to alarm NASA sufficiently not to identify this person. 
And uh, that's interesting. Uh, that also could end up uh, really putting a, a lid on the number of scientists and, and uh, technical people that are going to be willing to participate uh, if, if they fear some sort of retribution and uh, being hounded or, or, you know, who knows? Who knows how this all will play out? And, and I hope well, but uh, like I say, uh, this is going to be wild. It, it really is something. And credit now, I think the uh, uh, people, listeners, Dreamland and elsewhere can finally feel that someone at least is saying they're going to listen. Uh, we have every indication that they will. Uh, that uh, it's no longer necessarily a fringe thing, that people have experiences, and now the experiencer is basically the king of this world. Uh, you know, go forth and, and get more evidence and do it on their app or in the, in the way that they recommend, and uh, we'll see what we see. Uh, this is a phenomenal change, a sea change. In, well, uh, that's actually, I wanted to ask you about that. So the thing that irks me about NASA in this sea change, and it may simply be because I didn't see where it was addressed previously, so maybe you know or maybe a listener knows if they've ever addressed this, the idea that they keep saying over and over, we want to be transparent and we want to take this out of the realm of, you know, sort of uh, the fringe element. We want to make it scientific and so on and, and out of the realm of, of laughter and derision and all of that. Who put it in the realm of pseudoscience, laughter and derision? Partly NASA. They're as guilty of that as anyone of just, you know, poo-pooing this stuff, making fun of it. Um, all of that through the years, ignoring it. So is there any sense of like culpability or are people just pretending that in a vacuum, this became the laughing stock of the media because on its face, it's so absurd, despite the fact that the majority of people believe something about it is, uh, you know, real, whatever they believe about the phenomena, they believe there is one. Um, and that's been the case, right? So, and this is part of George Hansen's sort of point in his trickster theory is like, you know, all these people believe, but it's only, but it's weirdly societal, societally taboo to talk about in a realistic way, but you can say anything you want in science fiction. Um, but that doesn't come from some archetype that comes from at least, uh, people in officialdom officially doing that, officially making it a laughing stop subject, stock subject and pushing it to the fringe. So is there, have you seen any sense of them like saying, okay, me a couple of people, <laughs> we're sorry, or anything? No, not, not yet. Maybe that will come later. As, or as why the change? Like why now? I guess that's part of it is like, okay, now's the time. We need to start this data gathering now. Why? Why would you start the data gathering in 2023 and not, uh, I don't know, uh, 1983, 1973, 1963. Well, and you've had people like Richard Haynes uh, and uh, Ted Rowe uh, concerned about aerial safety for a very long time. And that didn't seem to resonate at all until today. Uh, I, I don't know the, the why now. I can tell you that I've, just by happenstance, I've been reading some books uh, by, let's, where did I put it? Of course, now I can't find it. Annie Jacobson about DARPA and, and phenomena. 
uh, and uh, she's interviewed a lot of the, the people that, that we all know in, in the field. Uh, and one of the things that she points out is with federal agencies, now she's mostly concerned with DARPA uh, in the last book that I read, uh, but she said the thing that you always ask yourself is what's the reason behind the reason? You know, and your question is, is a solid one, is why now? What, what is it? And so you have to think that maybe the UAP uh, phenomenon is becoming uh, enough of an issue to the military that they really need to nail down uh, what these things are, where they come from. Uh, I don't know that NASA can necessarily uh, help them with that because that's going to involve layers of, of classification and secrecy that uh, are going to be very hard to work around. But anyway, the why now, and, uh, and 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 why did you suddenly get religion on this topic? Those are those are interesting questions and things that, that we always kind of have to keep in mind. You know, are we going to get disclosure? Uh, maybe, but by accident. <laughs> well, and you know, truthfully, I think the why now, the, the simple answer might be because there's a younger generation that does believe that's pushing for this, and I say that because mm-hmm. it's a simple answer. But also, like, when I was doing the culture contact conferences in New York, I just remember people from, um, I don't know if it was New York Magazine, but the various New York Post, you know, the various news outlets who came to interview us about these things. Um, I remember uh, at least one or two, two of them said that they were, you know, they had read these, some of these books and they were really interested in it. And they were young guys. So I just got to think that, like, yeah, as media people, younger generations of media people, you know, start gathering uh, power within their systems, you know, of media mm-hmm. and government and science, um, they want to know these things. And so maybe it's just simply that there's an interest there that they've had since, like you, since they were, <laughs> since they watched UFO hunters, since they well, were little kids watching UFO hunters, just like you, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, sort of, almost. Um, it it is uh, it is interesting that it did happen, and so kind of the the big shift was New York Times article, twenty seventeen. You know, I think we discussed a few times that there were more than a few holes in that, but somehow the the wagon has really gotten rolling here, and we've gotten actual uh, interest from uh, political leaders. And uh, uh, several different levels, that has really made a difference. Uh, it, it's rolling, so don't ask questions. Jump on, see what you can do. Well, here's my problem with that wagon, which is the holes. So it has holes, but it gets rolling, and it seems like that is has been the case with all of you know, from to the Stars Academy to whatever Lou Elizondo is up to, to Jeremy Corbell, to David Grush. Like there, everything seems to be this push toward, we know in our heart of hearts, the government knows something. So we're going to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Something's going to, because there's a reality there. We know it. They're covering it up. So it doesn't matter if the particulars are correct or not. The general thrust of something is correct has to be correct. And what if that's not? Are they ever going to believe it? Because the holes are the thing <laughs> to me. Like, just taking, um, I mean, I hate to say it, but David Grush is an example. Um, 
he did come up in the NASA thing. Yes. Like you said, and I think, um, you know, that the, whoever the head spokesperson of this, who, whose name they did say, and I don't remember, so it doesn't matter if they stay anonymous or not for my brain. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he answered it and said, you know, there's no, there's no evidence there. Like, where's the evidence? Show the evidence. We can't just take this guy at his word. And it seems like in ufology, not only are we willing to take the guy at his word, we're willing to be mesmerized by more of his word about how these things work, about roughly, you know, I can't disclose the details, but this is how dopsers work. This is how the formation of a story is, you know, I'm able to do it in the first place. Like all of this stuff seems to me not credible. Not just the claims, but all of the claims of how he's able to even talk about it seems not credible to me. I don't know. It just bothers me, I guess, enough to have babbled on about it this long. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tyler. Last commercial break, folks. I promise. Where is the unknown country? Is it out there? In the stars? Or is it also somewhere else? Is it in us? In you? Unknown country, join us today. Go to unknowncountry.com right now and join us. Join the questions. Join the search. Join the adventure. Unknowncountry.com. There's no place like it in the world. One of the, one, one of the things that, that did come out, uh, they had very good questions, by the way. A lot of journalists were drawn to this because it, there's intense public interest. Uh, but one of the, the things that was pointed out um, was, uh, well, this guy says this and there's no evidence for it. But the retort was, but he also has 30 other people, I think the number was 30, uh, Defense Department persons. And that, at that point, you kind of think like, well, if that is true, if that's real, that's a verifiable fact. And they're all going to come out on record and they all say the same thing. That would be kind of interesting, but it does sort of give you pause as to, you know, well, what, what really is there? And uh, it is a smoke and fire thing, you know, what, what the heck's going on? Well, then I will, I'll, I'll actually just devil's advocate myself here in some way, which is, I think that's right. Like, and I think, like, if you want the throw, to throw the spaghetti at the wall at this point, isn't the spaghetti to keep hammering NASA and any of the Arrow or any of these projects? Look, David Grush said this stuff. He has spoken under oath about, roughly, under oath about this stuff. And so why are we doing these rudimentary uh you know, at this point, this is playtime, right? Like, oh, we're going to look at UFO videos and discuss what they could possibly be when we've got them in a hangar. So tell us the truth. Like, let's get that sorted out first, and then we can go on with this NASA thing. Otherwise, this is superfluous and, and child's play. So tell us well, the freaking truth. Always tell us the truth would be a good starting point. Uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, David Grush sort of came on site after 
these people had begun their project and gotten their marching orders and were trying to put together a program. And now, it, you know, it, it stirred the pot further. And they're, they're having to sort of answer things that they actually weren't intending to, to even deal with, that uh, these sorts of um, allegations. Basically, it's the, the same thing we've heard since uh, uh, Tom Corso wrote his book, Day After Roswell. Phil Corso. Jeez, why do I say? You know, anyway. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we, we have, you know, it's sort of a, a different situation. That, that It's a dynamic uh, situation, to, be, to say the least about it. And it's, um, it's kind of blown back in their face in sort of an unexpected way. But the project and, and the goals and, and, I guess, the aims of NASA, I think, were uh, pretty solid in terms of how you would go ahead step by step, systematically, uh, look at, assess the evidence, and then try to go forward. And that's sort of what they're trying to do now. Whether they'll make it or not, there's a lot of gaps here, Jeremy. You know, we talked about gaps, and, and one of the things would be is how are you going to arm your citizen scientists with devices, calibrated, reliable, uh, multi-factorial devices that will give us the data that we need, uh, how are they going to be uh, instructed, all these things. This is yet to come to pass. And, and so we've got a, a lot to go. But the world changed while they were working, unfortunately, as it's wont to do. But then so, don't you have to change your... Re- like, don't, isn't there someone who has to change the research and say, okay, we're going to put a break on this. We've got to find out uh, whether this stuff is, is accurate or not. Well, no, that's, that's a solid question. I don't know that it's in the NASA remit at, at this stage. That they've done what they can do technologically. Somebody else is going to have to go, uh, you know, and throw open the bunker in Area 51 or, uh, you know, wherever these uh, bits of evidence exist that have been claimed uh, ever since. And it's like, you know, it's the same story that, that basically we've heard for a long time. Uh, and it comes down to that's outside of what NASA is attempting to do here. But unfortunately, you can see they all get rolled together and it very easily. And very quickly. I mean, they didn't get through the first news conference, and, and boom, here it comes. Well, but this is the time to to do it. I mean, if you're going to make the case, yeah. there's yeah. there's two things. They want to make the case that this is going to be their <laughs> attempt to take this out of the fringe and the laughing stock and put it under scientific scrutiny. So we need data, data, data. We're starting now. Who knows why we're starting now? We're starting now. We should have been doing this all along if we really cared about aviation safety. But, eh. We're starting now. But the other part that they're not saying is the, the David Grush part. We've, the, the, in, the public interest has turned because this guy has credentials and has gone and said what he said before Congress. And so do they not necessarily have to address that elephant in the room beyond, oh, I saw it on the nightly news and I need the, I need the facts? I mean, that's true. I can't just take his word for it. I need the facts. But... You're an arm of the government, right? And you're working with the Department of Defense. You've said this. You would gladly give them, you know, whatever they needed to help them and hope hope that they would help you. I mean, it just all seems like, wait, we've got to sort out whether... In other words, <laughs> Tyler, this seems like really, really obvious. If you've got already proof uh, that your theory is is wrong or that you don't have to even bother to theorize in the first place. Don't you need to know that first? And you've got a guy claiming there's proof of that. 
at some point they're going to have to, to deal with this. At, at some point it's going to have to be addressed. I don't know that it will necessarily be this particular study group of NASA that goes after sort of the, the larger questions. Uh, I don't know. But I, I do think that you're right that these are all uh, questions that have driven a lot of the interest, are driving a lot of the interest, and they'll have to be looked at. Uh, no question that when people come out and they do have some kind of authority, uh, experience or whatnot, and they're willing to make these statements, uh, you need to listen to them and see what you can verify and not verify. Uh, that, but again, that may not be NASA that, that is ultimately going to be tasked with that. I, I think it probably won't be. I mean, at least Jaime Musan produced an alien baby for us to look at. They reminded me, the NASA people, whoever it was that answered that, uh, the question about, hey, did you see the Mexican reveal, uh, reminded me of you. It was so <laughs> diplomatic. Instead of laughing it off, and, and because, of course, they're trying to create this air of science, well, we need to, you know, see the data on that. <laughs> like, we would hope, and it's true. It's like, well, we would hope, and this goes for Jacques Vallée and anyone claiming that they've got metals that are metametals. Uh, I'm just adding that. Um, that we would hope that you would give this to the world scientific community so we can all sort of take a look and see what's what and see if we can figure it out together. Now, of course, with Hanging Masson, that's going to be a paper mache of E.T. the extraterrestrial from the movie. But oh, that's in the case of these metametals, they might not all be flattened Coke cans out in uh, the desert of Roswell. You know, you have you have forgotten about the Roswell slides. <laughs> all you need is an image. So, what I think uh, the uh, comment was really uh, reflecting was, as a scientist, I'm not going to make a judgment unless and until I can examine this. And it, indeed, it has been examined by people who were able to uh, stipulate that it's a thousand years old. Uh, so, you know, there, there's been some looks at it. But in terms of making a conclusion about whether it is or is not of this world, uh, no, no, not, not from a distance and not from a press conference and not from a photo. Uh, well, then I'm, let me be the first to tell you, Tyler, that's not in anything. <laughs> I know, I know I haven't done the research on this, but I know like I know anything. <laughs> I know like all those people throwing spaghetti at the wall that, they're, that that is a fraud. Well, I, I think um, past history is no guarantee of uh, future The photos. The photos are telling me, Tyler. I've seen the photos. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think that uh, if you were a betting person, you could probably put some money down and, and be pretty secure that you would know which way it's going to go. But the great thing about all this is always like, what if? Maybe, maybe it will happen, and, and provided it's made available for uh, study, um, you know, it could be very quick. So I want to ask you something. The, the, we're, we're saying that this all, this new push started at 2017, and then it sort of steamrolls from there. And it's true in, in a sense. But in another sense, like all the people on UFO Twitter were complaining, David Grush uh, didn't get a lot of mainstream press. There's a lot of like ambivalence about this subject in the mainstream. And so, yeah, it, it, it seems to me like it was meant to be a push in that direction. And it is. But there have got to be people 
making the decisions in the government or the military or NASA or wherever that we're going to go ahead with treating this seriously publicly, even though there isn't um, a lot of mainstream uh, care given to it. Like there still seems to be less, you know, maybe more people do, but less media coverage in the mainstream regardless. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to, it seems like we've seen this type of push before to make it a big subject. And then it, it, it sort of just dies down. Um, and I don't see this as being a more significant call for uh, disclosure or truth or whatever. Uh, am I wrong about that? No, it's kind of the classic pattern, isn't it? That uh, somebody will come forward with a, a new finding, um, added the extraterrestrial, uh, Roswell slides, something. Um, you know, the go fast video. Uh, and then and we go from there. And then we find out that there's not so much that you can really extract from that and move on. There, you know, there's not enough news there to uh, continue the cycle very far. That's just kind of how it's how it goes. So if it's not really about, you know, this non-waning public interest, because I think there is no non-waning public interest. Um, if it's not about that, what do you think it is about? Because um, I've certainly put forward that I think it's about perpetual funding uh, for weapons and stuff and um, against an invisible enemy. And also funding on NASA's behalf for these sorts of projects that there are probably at least more, even if it's not, you know, massive public interest the way we hope it would be, it's probably more than NASA gets average. Uh, so they're going to get money to do their studies. But also I think like there's the possibility that, uh, you know, someone in officialdom saw the power of QAnon to galvanize a huge percentage of the country around garbage. And they're like, well, why can't we do that? Or maybe we should sort of divert their attention into something less harmful, <laughs> you know, like are these possibilities like, cause I guess that's where my conspiracy mind goes. Cause I'm trying to look for the reason that everyone seems to be all in, in the government on doing this and making this a non laughing stock issue publicly if they aren't really going to come out with, oh, because we have aliens. One of the things that, that the news conference uh, kind of brought out, but very subtly, was the questions that the journalists were, were digging at is, what will be your budget? And is it going to be enough for your director and you know two other guys that are going to sort through who knows what? Or is it going to be a real program? That's what they're really trying to get at. How serious are you, NASA? And I think it was wise, first of all, to deflect from answering because of the issues with uh, how federal governments are, are funded or how these programs are funded. But if we could get to that, we'd get a, a better feeling as to uh, the sincerity level. But the, again, going back to Annie Jacobson, the reason for the reason... Uh, we're not going to be probably able to tease all that out. We can all have suspicions. I think that certainly it's not going to hurt uh, having the NASA's profile, uh, you know, raised uh, in, in some ways. Uh, you know, it's, I think most people still uh, respect the achievements of, of NASA, uh, but 
Yeah, Jeremy, the, the, you always wonder, like, uh, why why do they get religion now? And, you know, who uh, who has it, who doesn't? I, you know, there's a public face, and there's there's the, I guess, what we'd really like to hear <laughs> said in the conference room when they get together. So I'm sure it's interesting. Well, but I can't tell you. I just don't know. But you don't have a suspicion? I have all kinds of suspicions. Well, that's all I so, want. <laughs> I think like I want know, the Tyler Coke John hot take. You know, I I was thinking that the Department of Defense might have some real uh, wants to uh, develop certain programs, if nothing else, defenses against uh, UAPs, uh, since they don't they seem to be rather perplexed by it, which is kind of amazing because I understand the Iranians were able to bring down one of our better ones uh, just by um, jamming it. Uh, but anyway, I uh, can't seem to get a hold of these things, uh, you know, the multi-billion dollar weapons platforms that they buzz around them like bees and nobody knows what to do. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I <laughs> don't think it's necessarily uh, indicative of the prowess of the military, but um, they're willing to go ahead and put that out there and ask questions. And uh, So there has to be something behind that, and I would always suspect that it's a, a funding Gambit, but I I don't know. I, seriously, just just guessing, like everybody else. All right, so now let's uh, circle back to Tyler Cochon's early days in ufology. You come in, um, we meet me, you, Jeff Ritzman of Paradopia, and decide to do uh, Project Core, which is an experiencer survey. Um, which, to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is the to date only scientifically valid survey of experiencers out there. Is that, to your knowledge, correct? Well, there have been others uh, done. Right. Um, but you heard my qualification, Tyler. Don't hedge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and not to not. We'll just try to to um, be more inclusive. Uh, of people that are are, are trying, but uh, Project Core itself is just a beginning. It's the first phase. It's a way to chip at a problem uh, by virtue of using a survey to try to, to find out a little bit more about your uh, population, and then at that point formulate some hypotheses based on what shows up in, in terms of the assertions or or things that, that you find, keeping in mind that your first pass, you're very likely to find correlations and events that really don't pan out, and that you've got to look at these uh, in, in depth, in more detail, to really sort out, as NASA would say, the wheat from the chaff. Okay, that you, you just got to uh, start somewhere, and this would give you uh, a basic sort of sets of questions, hypotheses that you could, you know, Put forth and investigate. There, are not many. Uh, what I've seen is uh, the surveys. We we want to go from this is what we found. Therefore, it means and we're not ready for that. Even Project Core. I I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I never really included a conclusion statement because we're not really ready to make conclusions. We're just, it's the first step. Slow down, everybody. 
so I want to get into Project Core a little bit, but just, well, why don't we do that now? I'll, I'll save my last question for last. <laughs> and it'll tie all this together with the NASA and the why I went, oh put a pin in it and went back to it. Um, but let's just, why don't you tell us what it was about that that you piqued your interest. Like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And you got some of your colleagues, uh, your university professor colleagues, in on it. And even a couple of interns uh, to get this right. Like, what about it was important or you thought was important enough? And they apparently shared your vision of that to do. It's something you know, we have all these questions about uh, what experiencers experience. And Jeff actually was the, the driving force here. He called me up late at night, as, as he often did. And said, "Hey, what do you think?" Uh, but he had the the basic idea, and he wanted to trace out what's the connective tissue between all these things because he thought he was seeing things. And we, you know, one thing we came up with is the idea that well, why don't you go ahead and query uh, people anonymously about what what have you seen, what have you done? And the first thing that Jeff said that was going to happen, which ultimately did, he oftentimes could could call these things in advance was that this is going to be a lot more complicated than alien abduction, the classic alien abduction. There's a lot more things in here. A lot of people have not just one event, but several what we call classes of events. And so this is just a standard way of saying, let's go ahead and find out what we see. And we can put some descriptive statistics on this. Uh, but what we see, and then can we from there uh, formulate testable hypotheses? And one of the ones that... Um, uh, Dr. Ellen Tarr ran with was uh, uh, Rh negative blood type, and uh, that's something that you can go ahead and do. You can you can confirm that it, on a secondary study that oh yeah you have this and you're an experiencer and these people that don't report it they have it at this rate. Uh, I went back and, and looked uh, as far as I could trace back the idea of rare blood types was something mentioned briefly by. Um, a person who wrote under the name of Brad Steiger, uh, quite a while ago, and uh, I, wait, was that not his name? His real name? Uh, if I'm correct, that was a pseudonym because he was um, a professor at a school, and um, well, I, I don't know the the whole story exactly, but that's my understanding, and uh, I believe he's passed away now. But uh, and I think that uh, it's been so long since I looked at it. Uh, I think if I'm correct that he was talking about rare blood type, not necessarily Rh negative, and that kind of how it got rolled over the years. But anyway, I stopped uh, at that point because it, um, you know, it didn't couldn't find anything further, and also that you know the internet trail kind of ran cold because uh, it just didn't have the, the sort of uh, internet uh, that we have today. But those those sorts of questions and things can be addressed, can be looked at. And that's, that's what Jeff and uh, Ellen and, and the other people thought, yeah, you could, this would be a great way to start, and you'd know a little bit more uh, at the end reliably. Couldn't prove or disprove necessarily the reality of uh, alien abductions, but you would, you would have some data that you didn't have before. You'd have some understanding you didn't have before. So a lot of times it's progress, not perfection. You chip away at these problems more than you necessarily solve them in a Nobel Prize winning fell swoop. Uh, 
that's a rare thing. So uh, uh, that's what uh, Jeff had conceived. And uh, I thought, okay, well, these are the questions I would ask Jeff. And uh, not dreaming that he would put them all in. Uh, but, um, uh, and, and then, you know, some things, uh, not knowing exactly uh, uh, what the data uh, would um, show. Of course, we couldn't know in advance. But also, um, wanted to keep anonymous people anonymous. So uh, we didn't ask about age, tried to make it a little bit more uh, difficult for people to say, oh, I know who that is. Because sometimes that people do repeat stories. Uh, you know, anyway, uh, we, j we just, Jeff really uh, came up with this idea and I thought yeah you can you can do something you can do something and uh, it would be not hard and uh, just time-consuming and you know how much time it took to get that all collated and put together uh, so do you think that that the stories themselves outside of certain data points like age race and or not age because we can use age but race and blood type and you know those sorts of questions that you can sort of put in a column and look at but the actual stories themselves i think if i remember correctly for my conclusion or whatever i did try to parse out elements of the stories into data sets uh maybe i'm misremembering that but i'm wondering is there anything that you can say conclusively about um, what you're reading amongst like the experiencer testimony in this survey versus the mainstream narrative. You could say narratives, but it's really the one narrative that then just goes from alien to interdimensional of like an alien uh, coming here and doing scientific research or I guess, you know, politics or whatever, you know, the sort of thing that we think about when we think of aliens or when we think of alien abduction, um, can we say, can we rule that out that it's not that narrative? I don't know that you, you can on the basis of, of the story. Uh, I think you can put together several lines of evidence that suggest that it's unlikely uh, you know, based on, on what we consider to be uh, hard science facts at the moment. Problem some of that is that they change as our knowledge changes. But uh, I, the one one thing that we had sort of pushed for, not in Project Core, was the idea of uh, pregnancy testing and um, uh, that there are ways to trace uh, pregnancies that uh, vanish. And uh, one of the ideas would be that you could, in principle, done properly with IRB approvals and uh, ethical uh, methodology, you could address like whether these stories of missing pregnancies might have some validity to them. Uh, and certainly if there's a hybrid alien hybrid, you could, you could get after those uh, sorts of issues with uh, DNA testing. Uh, Bill Schalker had tried this uh, years ago, it just never seemed to catch on, and so we, we hit that. And we didn't really put that into Project Core because it wasn't appropriate. This is just a, a survey. We weren't going to do any actual uh, biochemical research. But 
that's another way of saying, you know, okay, we can corroborate or we cannot corroborate something. And that, that's one of the, the weaknesses with uh, alien abduction is that the stories are basically the same for 30 plus years, 40 years. And we're not getting anywhere. And one way that you can get somewhere is chip away at the problem. Okay, are there really missing pregnancies? Well, all the data doesn't support that. You know, but we, could, we can find out in some ways what it isn't, which is still important to know. But from the stories, I don't think we can do one thing or the other. That it, it happened. For me, I'd like to know why people seem to have these experiences, what's common with them. Uh, one of the things that is interesting is uh, Martin Kottmeyer uh, has looked at how memes get established and, and how ideas kind of take root, and alien abduction certainly is one of those things where there's a there's a protocol, or not a protocol, but there's kind of a standard story that, that we hear, and, and we all know what that is now. Uh, that's interesting. You know, is that something that just sort of took on, took hold? Uh, you, uh, well, these are these are other things that we should ask. Like, you know, are you basically feeding the answers to people, and and then are they reading your books and showing up and saying the right things? Uh, all those all those things can contribute. Free Dreamlanders. That's all the time we have. But uh, do check out Project Core in the description, and please do consider subscribing. And when I say subscribe, I mean at unknowncountry.com. It's great that you subscribe and ring a bell and whatever here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, um, or if you're listening to a podcast, and you've signed up for the RSS feed. But um, oh. What Whitley really needs are subscribers on his website, so please go to unknowncountry.com and sign up um, for like a couple of bucks. You get more content than any lifetime demands, <laughs> so have fun. All right, uh, see you next time. Whitley's back next week, and I'll be back in about a month. Take care. You've been listening to Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host. And I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander.